This episode is sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers, they're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. In a world where overspending, debt, and keeping up with the Joneses rules us all, where the voices from the merchants, restaurants, and credit companies lord over the common man, out of the darkness, like a beacon of hope, comes a new voice. A voice that's rich and creamy, like your favorite butter, and delicious, like cheeseburger pizza on your diet cheat day. It's The Stacking Benjamin Show. Welcome to another episode of The Stacking Benjamin Show. Hey there, Monday lovers. Wait a minute. Who the heck's a Monday lover? Hey, we gotta have a script correction in aisle two over here, boys. We're kicking off this fine week with our special guest from iShares, Jessica Huang. Helping us with headlines, the CEO of Junior Achievement, Jack Kosakowski. Hey, but don't you worry. You'll still be hearing this guy deliver some awesome trivia. We'll answer your letters and... Even save a lucky listener with the Haven Lifeline call. Now, the two guys who are kicking it all off, Joe and O-J-J-J-J-G. Oh, that's right. You found us. Welcome to the Stacky Benjamin Show, everybody. Just so you know whose voice is whose. I'm Joe Salcihi, Average Joe Money on Twitter, and across this desk from me, doing it again, the one and only OG. Still, more like, not again, doing it still. It's still, right. After the, you have a great weekend? So far, so good. Yep. I love it that you include Monday as the weekend. That's it's not part. It's not part of the weekend? Well, for you, doesn't, I know it doesn't is. Doesn't your week start on Tuesdays? <laughs> doesn't everybody's? No, but you know where my week does start? Bam, at stackybenjamins.com forward slash SoFi, because when you head to the place that magnifymoney.com calls number one when it comes to student loans and personal loans, you're going to find that you've ended up in your happy place, OG. That's spelled S-O-F-I. They throw in a hundred bucks if you refinance your student loans or take out a personal loan using our link. You'll find they have tons of options to serve you like flexible loan terms, extremely competitive interest rates. Better yet, SoFi works with members not just customers and people who do business with SoFi know that they're a different type of company. They help you find a new job, invite you to networking events, and roll out a range of services you're not going to find at the bank. So whether you're hoping to buy a house, refinance your existing one, consolidate your student loans, or get your personal debt under control, head to stackybenjamins.com forward slash SoFi. 
And did you know, OG, that according to a 2016 Gallup poll, about 48% of all Americans don't own any stock? It's in that 48%. What? Yeah. Half the half the half the country. Okay. Yeah, that's amazingly troubling. Well, M1 Finance is out to change that trend and help everyone really be invested. They built an incredibly powerful and yet amazingly simple online investing tool. You can open an account with as little as a hundred bucks in the first thousand you invest on the platform. That's completely free. And after that, it's only a quarter of one percent for portfolios up to one hundred thousand dollars. And it's a super low 0.15% on accounts that maintain a balance over $100,000. With M1, you can select from one of dozens of professionally designed portfolio pies, or you can customize it to your liking by selecting any securities from the NASDAQ or the NYSE. The tremendous thing about M1 is that it really grows with you as your needs change over time. So give it a try and check out M1 Finance today. You can use it on the web at m1finance.com or download the mobile app on iOS or Android. You can use it on the web by hitting up our link, stackingbenjamins.com forward slash M number one finance, or download a mobile app on iOS or Android. M1 finance, be invested. It's cool working with these guys, OG, because, uh, and this is, this is a disclaimer. Uh, I use M1 finance for a part of my portfolio. I also, Cheryl is on her way toward uh, moving some money over to M1 finance. So we really like that platform for us. Hey, we've got a fantastic show today. Jessica Wang from iShares coming by. Talk impact investing. And what's interesting that you know, OG, is that impact investing and socially conscientious investing, historically, when I was an advisor, it was, man, you're giving away returns when you do that. <laughs> like, like, which one do you want? Do you want your ethics or you want your pocketbook? Jessica Wang's going to talk about how they bridge that gap. But first, we've got some fantastic headlines, so let's move. Hello, darlings. And now it's time for your favorite part of the show, our Stacking Benjamins Headlines. Our first headline comes to us from Napa-Net, the National Association of Plan Advisors, the people that help operate 401k plans and pension plans and the like. This is written by Neville Adams. Our retirement savings safe from tax reform. Man, a lot of stuff blew up a couple of weeks ago, OG, when we saw that uh, the president's team had floated the possibility that 401k pre-tax might have some changes to it. Even people like Jane Bryant Quinn were were uh, reporting on this. So as you know, we don't do politics unless it really gets up in front of us. We're going to just talk, and we're still not going to do politics. We're going to talk about just this, uh, the specter of this maybe hanging over our head. Mr. Adams writes, unveiling President Trump's tax reform proposal a couple weeks ago. Gary Cohn, Trump's chief economic advisor and director of the National Economic Council, said that, quote, retirement savings will be protected. While that was immediately reassuring to those concerned that this version of tax reform would undermine retirement savings like the 1986 version did, it's not clear how that principle will be applied. The potentially sweeping tax reform proposal was a bit short on specifics. And I'm going to go down, by the way, a couple paragraphs to this. Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell was asked about reports that the White House had floated this idea of getting rid of 401k plan tax preferences to help pay for the corporate tax cuts. McConnell somewhat dismissively said, quote, I'm sure everything will be floated in the context of comprehensive tax reform. It will provide plenty of opportunities for you all to write stories about what's been rumored, going on to say, quote, I don't think the rumors are worth anything at this point, end quote. I want to talk about this, not from the politics of it, OG, but from the fact that you must 
like I did when I was an advisor, I would have clients bring this stuff in and would tell me that the sky was falling. Of course it happens because, you know, we want to be the resource of people when they have questions about their money. But most of the time I point back to the financial plan that we've done and say, well, until it becomes a law, it's not really that impactful. You know, we could spend hours and hours talking about what ifs, right? What if a meteor hits the Pacific Ocean? What if, you know, all this stuff happens in the IRS or tax code and that sort of thing. But at the end of the day, we can only do things with what is. So we build the plan based on the information that we have. And if it makes sense to make a change to the plan because of new information, we'll do that then. And so my big kind of pushback to this whole story is that's all it is. It's just a just a story until until it becomes law. Yeah, that's what I thought. I mean, obviously, it got a, enough traction that some of the big names, as I mentioned, talked about it before. But how many times since we started the Stacking Benjamin show have we have have we talked about people panicking about some new thing that might happen? Like I could just right. It, yeah, nothing. Nothing. Yeah, my is, brain doesn't work that way. Uh, personally, like I don't spend any mental energy on the especially on the politics side. My I mean, we spent a ton of time on the fiduciary rule, which I really liked. And where is that today? I mean, we spent all that time right now. All that time is wasted that we spent talking about that. And that was a law. <laughs> right? <laughs> right. That was a law. <laughs> and now it got kicked down the road. Away. Yeah. So nothing to see here. I think so. Yeah. And in our second headline, do your children think money grows on trees? Well, a new junior achievement study shows kids don't know much about money and find the topic confusing or scary. Joining us on the shortwave is the CEO of Junior Achievement, Jack Kozakowski. Welcome to the party, Jack. Thank you, Joe. Thanks for having us. Well, tell me about the study. You know, this idea that kids are afraid of money is disturbing. Well, it is, and probably not surprising to a lot of people, but Junior Achievement and the Jackson Charitable Foundation want to help ensure that kids have a promising financial future. So together, we conducted this children's financial literacy survey. They're kids ages 7 through 10, but what's really special about this is we interviewed their parents as well. And so, uh, you know, the good news is that kids at that age – do have an awareness about and certainly an interest in money at that young age, but their knowledge is really limited to simple things like counting money and, you know, saving money. So that's kind of the good news. The troubling news, as you alluded to, is 41% of the kids uh, that did this interview feel negative emotions, things like fear, confusion, and boredom when adults have a conversation with them about money. And since uh, the parents were pretty almost unanimous in their agreement that kids should learn about managing money at home, that's a very disturbing fact. Yeah, that was my next question, Jack, is do you think the issue starts at home? Should parents be talking about money more openly or is the issue our education system? Well, Joe, at least this group of parents agree it should be done at home, and uh, I've been in this field for a long time, and I totally agree. Uh, Parents are pretty much the first teacher for kids for everything, and uh, kids uh, sometimes learn through osmosis, but sometimes you have to, you know, outright have a discussion with them. So the findings of this survey certainly confirm that, you know, parents need to talk to their kids early and talk to them often about uh, managing money. Are there some things specifically, some tips you have for parents to help them, Jack, uh, help kids learn a little better? 
Yeah, well, there's some outside tools that I would recommend uh, that they use because, again, we don't want to scare kids uh, right. having that conversation. So maybe to help them, uh, and our partner on this survey, Jackson Charitable Foundation, has put together a wonderful series. It's called Cha-Ching Money Smart Kids. <laughs> and it's, it's a series of cartoons that cover various financial management topics and they're age specific. So, you know, the seven to 10, 11 year old. And what's great about it is the kids can watch it and the parents can be in the room. They can then have a conversation about it. So it, it opens it up in a very non-threatening way. And uh, parents can access that or kids can access it. Uh, the, the web address is uh, just a long run on jacksoncharitablefoundation.org. Uh, and they can access those uh, cartoons. And then I would also encourage parents can go to the Junior Achievement website, which is ja.org. And there are a series of activities, again, that are age-specific that would help parents walk kids through various experiences. And the dual benefit of that is that the parents are probably learning something at the same time the kids are. And so uh, really getting uh, two-for-one on that. I have to tell you, Jack, while I have you on the line, I've worked with Junior Achievement for a while going into classrooms. And, man, it was it was great for the kids, but it was really great for me, too. I absolutely enjoyed it. People just go to the Junior Achievement website if they want to get involved? Yes. And, uh, they go to that website. They simply click on Jay Near Me, and uh, they'll be hooked up uh, with the right connections. Excellent. And for more on these tools and on Junior Achievement, We'll have all the links that Jack talked about on our show notes page at stackingbenjamins.com. Jack, thanks for joining us today. Joe, thank you. Appreciate it. I think Jack's got a good point, OG. These these money conversations got to start at home. Ultimately, you know, as a parent, you're responsible for the upbringing of your children, right? And part of that is the education you provide to them, both you know, technical competencies and putting them in position to be successful through making them do their homework and spelling tests and that sort of stuff. But you also have to talk about money and it's not as easy to talk about, but in our family, I've even noticed like our kids, you know, I've got a 10 year old and eight year old. They still kind of have a hard time grasping the difference between, you know, a thousand dollars and a hundred thousand dollars. Like to them, it's like, well, I don't understand how come we don't have a hundred million dollars, you know, but you know, you just got to constantly beat that drum and bring things back into reality for them that they can, you know, spend their own money and they can see the impact of spending money and how it affects the budget. And, you know, you can only have one of these two toys. They're both $19. You have 20 in your pocket, you know. I think that's a great first lesson. And our second lesson comes back from before I walked over to the shortwave to talk to Jack. And that was that uh, legislation, there's tons of it. But let's wait and see what Washington does, not what they're talking about doing before we change the plan. We're going back to the shortwave again here, OG, to give a call to our friend Jessica Wang, vice president at BlackRock iShares. Of course, exchange iShares, big, big big exchange traded fund company like a trillion dollars i think jessica is a chartered financial analyst member of the blackrock impact team that's what we're going to talk to her about today she worked closely with the firm's global investment teams across equity fixed income and alternatives in the past 
She was a member of the iShares product strategy consulting team, focusing on research in new areas where they don't have BlackRock stuff left. So she's on the BlackRock innovation team. By the way, you know why she's there, OG? Because she earned her bachelor's of science in mechanical engineering from this little place called Massachusetts Institute of Technology. Mitt. Yeah. Yeah. Have you been there? That place is amazing. Like that's a, that's a whole different world. Where is it? Like a DC or something? No, I've never been to DC. <laughs> yeah. DC, Massachusetts. Right. She's also a member of the CFA Society of New York. She is amazing to talk to. Let's say hello to Jessica Wang talking about impact and socially conscientious investing. And Jessica Wang, CFA and Vice President at BlackRock, joins us on My Dad Shortwave. Welcome, Jessica. Hi. I'm so glad you could be with us today. And I know that you're you're part of the Impact Investing Team, which is why we really wanted to talk to you because a lot of people listening to the show, they have no idea what Impact Investing is. So could we start there? What exactly is Impact Investing? Yeah, no, that's a great question. And that's actually how we start every single client conversation <laughs> of ours. So I don't want to get stuck in the jargon, really, because I know when people hear about impact investing, they get confused because they've also heard of terms like ESG. They've heard of values-based investing. So I'm just going to really talk about the whole space overall, encompassing all those other terms, too. And really, impact investing is investing in a way to also have a social and environmental benefit. So it's not saying that you're not, you don't care about financial returns anymore, but it's really investing for a societal environmental outcome alongside the financial return component. Gotcha. So for somebody that worries about like the S&P 500, there's some companies in there that they might not like. This gives them an opportunity to still buy stocks or whatever investments, but take those out of the equation. Yeah, exactly. And it's it's really just about a way to incorporate your values into investing too. So there are ways that if there are certain issues that you care about where, for example, you don't want to invest in tobacco companies, you don't want to invest in um, weapon manufacturing companies, you can do that. You can remove specific companies from the universe. But the, what we're seeing more interest in now, outside of just the removing of companies that don't align with your values, is the idea of just incorporating positive environmental social governance issues. You're investing in companies that you believe treat the environment well, treat their employees well, and care about the way that um, they manage their businesses. People wonder, Jessica, how people like you go into a company and decide, is this an impact investment or not? Is there is there some kind of letter of the law that you follow when you go in, or is it a feeling that you get or something from their mission statement? How do you decide if it's a uh, friendly investment or not? Yeah, and that that's a good question because in a way, impact investing is really in the eye of the beholder, right? Because it, it can be very driven by personal values. Um, the way that people determine what's good, what's bad, it can be very different. And so there are a lot of third-party ESG ratings providers out there that help to have a, a you know more of an unbiased view of what is a, a good ESG company, what is a poor ESG company, what companies have positive impacts. Um, and they, they have a very clear and transparent methodology as to how they actually determine whether a company is good for the environment, whether they actually are managing their carbon emissions. And so that's really how we incorporate a lot of the different ESG outcomes into um, some of our products, where we're actually utilizing a third-party ESG research. But at the same time, we do also have 
you know, impact strategies that are run in-house that use proprietary research too. And ultimately, all it comes down to is just being completely transparent about what your ESG outcomes are. When you say a company is a good company for the environment, what does that mean? Is it because of the carbon emissions? Is it because they manage their waste in a better way? Is it because they manage their pollution? So really, with all of our strategies, we are totally clear about what does it mean when a company has a good environment score? What does it mean when a company has a good social score? Got it. And I got to ask three questions about cost because Back when I used to be a financial planner, when somebody would talk to me about this type of investment, we would always say, because at that time it seemed, I mean, the numbers pointed to you're giving away some returns when you when you decide to do impact investing or any of the different t- terms out there. Is that still the case today? Or did you can you make a case, Jessica, for you really not losing returns? You're just investing differently. Yeah, and so I, I do think that's the number one misconception out there. And I think a lot of that goes back to the fact that, you know, decades ago when ESG or impact investing just started, a lot of these strategies were based off of negative exclusions, just, you know, removing companies. So even in, if you were to do a search in Morningstar today, some of the largest funds out there that are tagged as socially conscious, really they're only socially conscious because all they do is exclude tobacco. All they do is exclude oh, right. um alcohol. But when you look at the strategies that are coming out today, it's actually incorporating environmental and social governance factors. And these are just factors that may not be reflected in the company's financial statement, but can actually be financially material. And so Morningstar actually did release a research paper, I want to say six months ago now, where they are showing that uh, funds that are tagged as socially conscious in their database on average have the same, if not better, star ratings than uh, traditional funds. So there's research out there that shows that ESG funds, that impact funds, actually perform in line, if not better, than their um, non-ESG counterparts. You know, you've said ESG a few times, and uh, people listening have no idea what ESG, uh, what that stands (laughs) for. Yeah, sorry about that. That's Um, all right. ESG stands for environmental and social governance. Bam! And I... And so I, I think that's, that's really the term that we probably hear the most right now outside of just impact investing. And ESG is really just another way to evaluate companies looking beyond just financial statements, but, but looking at, as I mentioned before, looking at yeah. their carbon footprint, looking at the diversity of their workforce, um, and of course, looking at you know their corporate governance, their board structure, things like that. Gotcha. Let's talk about two other costs I think people perceive. And that's, you know, people look at some of the core funds like your IVV fund at iShares, the SP 500 or other funds in the hugely low cost structure. What's the additional cost that people can expect to pay in an ESG fund for the extra work that people like you have to do, Jessica, versus those core funds? Yeah, so there, there is a bit of a pricing premium right now for some of the ESG strategies. And really, a lot of that is just due to the fact that you are paying for that ESG research. So um, the ETFs that we've launched in the past few years, we've partnered with MSCI, um, the index provider, and also with their ESG research component. And MSCI employs over 150 analysts across the globe to come out with that ESG research. So our fund, which is the iShares MSCI USA ESG optimized ETF, that product will be priced at 28 basis points versus IVV, which is 
um, much, much lower. So there is a bit of a premium that's still priced in right now. Which still, I don't know, for me, that's still an incredibly small price to pay. If, if you're worried about ESG, right? Less than 30 basis points for me. And I'm going to have people yell at me for this statement. <laughs> still <laughs> still not that not that expensive. And then the third thing is when we look at non-taxable accounts, if somebody's going to buy an ESG fund in an account that's not in a tax shelter, turnover, the amount that you buy or sell, how often do uh, companies leave uh, ESG type funds? Is it more than, is it on par for something like the S&P 500, the Dow Jones? How does that work? Yeah. So in terms of turnover, anything that's not going to be traditionally market cap weighted is always going to have a bit of a higher turnover. But in terms of just ESG ratings, those scores are generally pretty stable. What we've seen, if you look at the global equity universe, on average, about 75% of the companies in the MSCI Acqui Index keep the same ESG ratings. So it's not that these companies' ESG ratings are going to change every day and so that they're going to be you know, included or kicked out of specific indices, but there will be a bit of a higher turnover than you would expect in a traditional market cap-weighted index. Yeah, so then if possible, I'd want to put these strategies more in my tax shelters, my IRAs, that type of thing, I would think. Well, I, I think it depends on the structure of the product, right? If it's an ETF, there is the, the tax benefit built oh, good, in good because the, the ETF vehicle has a mechanism to protect end investors from, from a lot of the, the cap gains incurred. And I'm so glad, Jessica, for our show that, that you kept that, that dumbed down because uh, when Martin Small was on uh, a few months ago, I went into that trench with him and I felt amazed that he could actually dig that. But I think that's all we need. But you do have that mechanism. That's cool. Uh, yeah, I <laughs> yeah, I was um, I actually listened to his radio interview too. I thought he did a great job because some of these tax treatment things can be very complex. Oh yeah, <laughs> we're going to the deep end of the pool there. Let's stay in the shallow yep. end because that's where we live at Stacky Benjamins. Sounds but, good. <laughs> but, but, but but you and Martin work in on the exchange traded fund side. Is there a time you think when it's better to buy the exchange traded fund and a time when it's best to buy the mutual fund? I guess getting back to tax treatment, if it's in a non-IRA account, maybe the ETF is is a better way to invest? Yeah, I think the thing is, is that mutual funds, there are value add to mutual funds too, because our, our ETFs right now are passively managed, the ones that we offer at least, and in the ESG space. But, you know, there are some great active funds out there. Some of them, you know, may not be as tax efficient as the ETFs, but ultimately the strategies that they employ, if those are strategies that are more aligned with your values, it may make sense to choose the mutual fund instead. Okay. At the same time, with some of these mutual funds, you do get the benefit of an active portfolio manager taking views that could be better than just traditional third-party ratings. So I do think it's, it's a balance of the two. If, you know, tax sensitivity is the most important thing to you, then yes, you probably should think about the vehicle more. But if you're really trying to align your values with the way that you invest, or if you're trying to find a fund that actually fits with your environmental and social objectives, I would probably just choose the, the strategy before the, the vehicle. So let's talk about some of the things, Jessica, that I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you about some of the stuff that you guys are doing at iShares. First of all, you talked about the iShares MSCI USA ESG optimized exchange traded fund. That just seems like, so straight vanilla ESG fund, ticker symbol ESGU is the way to go? Yeah, that's part of our fleet of optimized products that we've launched in the past year. And so when I say that these are optimized products, I mean that they are optimized to track a traditional index. 
so they will have similar returns to the MSCI USA. We also have an international version, which will track the MSCI EFA. We have an emerging markets version that tracks the MSCI EM. So you get that same risk and return profile, but they're also optimized for higher ESG scores. So really, you're getting the benefit of the same returns that you're expecting of a traditional market cap weighted index, but you're getting that uplift in overall ESG profile. That's what I was going to ask about these. Are these all primarily large cap then? Large and mid. Large yeah, and we're mid, using okay. the standard indices as the universe. And then you can also niche down. I'm looking at uh, the iShares MSCI ACWI low carbon target ETF, CRBN, or even the global clean energy ICL, and if people are interested in a certain area, one versus another. Yeah, exactly. And I think this is um, a really exciting space right now because more and more products are coming out, which have specific, you know, environmental issues that you can focus on, specific social issues such as diversity that you can focus on. And so, you know, given Earth Day, I do think that CRBN, Carbon, our ETF, is such a great solution for a lot of clients that are really concerned about climate change and the planet. CRBN is actually designed very similar to our optimized suite in the sense that it offers the same tight tracking to a global equity index, but then it offers really significant reduction in overall carbon emissions. So you're going to get an over 80% reduction in carbon footprint if you invest in that ETF. If people want more information, Jessica, where do they go? iShares.com is a great site to go to. Okay. And then we also will be launching, we'll be launching actually our BlackRock Impact site too. Okay, awesome. And if you're driving down the road, I'll just include that in the show links at stackybenjamins.com. Jessica Wang, thanks for explaining all that. It's a phenomenally quickly growing space you work in. It's got to be exciting. It is. I feel like every day we get new investors and clients that are interested in this space, and it ranges all over the world, all over every single channel, from the direct side, personal investors that are interested, all the way to the largest pensions in the world. So wow. I do find this space to be quite interesting and exciting. That's great. Thanks for hanging out. Thank you. Hi, everyone. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and welcome to my amazing trivia. Joe's mom's baking a cake because today is a very special day. No, it's not my birthday, but thank you for asking. It's the birthday of Coca-Cola. So to celebrate, let's roll out this little nugget. Which two countries are the only two where Coca-Cola is not officially sold? I'll be back with the answer as soon as I call Coca-Cola and tell them we're doing this favor. Maybe I can score a free 12-pack. There's a lot of misinformation on student loans out there, but one company, SoFi, spelled S-O-F-I, is attempting to cut through it all by providing better financial education. Co-founder Dan Macklin explains. If I was to sum up the education in a couple of ways, in two ways, it would be one, borrow as little as you can while you're at school. It sounds obvious, but some people, I think, just don't think about it because all their friends are spending money. Um, but really think long and hard about what you're spending. But then the second piece of advice is once you've graduated and you have a job, think about whether it makes sense to refinance your debt. Because for many people, they're overpaying on that debt and they could get a much better rate if they refinanced. Seems like great advice, doesn't it? Spend less, score lower interest rates. According to other sponsor, Magnify Money, SoFi is a leader in every area that they compete in. So whether it's a student loan, a mortgage, or even a personal loan, SoFi has you taken care of. Why pay more than you have to when you could be contributing more to your retirement instead? SoFi doesn't ask you to be a millionaire to use their services, but you do have to be responsible with your money. 
and you know who you are. Start working your money better today. Visit SoFi at stackybenjamins.com forward slash S-O-F-I. That's stackybenjamins.com forward slash S-O-F-I. You know, down here in the basement, we only like to partner with companies we're proud to put our name behind. So we're excited to announce our newest sponsor to the Stacky Benjamins show, M1 Finance. Recently sat down with Brian Barnes, CEO and founder, and asked him what makes M1 Finance unique. M1 is one of the only automated investing platforms that allows you to customize the portfolio that you invest in. It creates a lot more engagement and fun in investing while still being easy and low cost. Anybody who's tried online investing tools are used to compromises. Do you pick a traditional self-directed brokerage that hits you with commissions on every trade or an automated machine makes you hand over the reins? Don't compromise. Scratch out commissions at every turn, take back control of your own portfolio, and take advantage of the uniqueness that's M1 Finance. Takes minutes to sign up. Start by heading over to stackybenjamins.com forward slash M1 Finance. M1 Finance, be invested. Disclaimer, by the way, both Cheryl, my spouse, and I use M1 Finance. It works for us, but you need to do your own homework. Hi, everyone. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and I just hung up with a nice man named Alfonso over at Coca-Cola, and he said, you're doing what again? Clearly a fan of the show. But here was today's trivia question. Which two countries are the only two where Coca-Cola is not officially sold? The answer? Cuba and North Korea. Yeah, who couldn't have guessed that? Well, looks like I won't be visiting North Korea this year like I planned. Marking that off my vacation list. See ya! Should have gone with my first instincts. I was thinking Cuba, and then I thought, nah, even the Castro's like a little, little Diet Coke in their rum. How, how, how about it being Coca-Cola's birthday? There's a company with a long track record in the stock market. They've been around a few years. <laughs> a year or two. Hey, let's throw out the Haven Lifeline and tackle some of life's or rather life insurance's most important questions. Our friends at Haven Life Insurance Agency are disrupting the life insurance industry by focusing on what you value most, your family, and your time. That's why they've created a high-quality, affordable term life insurance policy you can purchase entirely online. Qualified, healthy applicants, get this, you can even skip the medical exam. Head to stackybenjamins.com forward slash Haven Life now to get a free quote and to learn about life insurance the modern way. You know what's funny about that, OG, is not only do you get a free quote over there, I really like, I really like the tool that they use for figuring out how much insurance you need because it's it's not like a number. They don't give you one number. They give you a range. And the I range. really, yep. I, I totally appreciate the range because there's a little bit of feeling involved there. Yeah. If you solve all your money issues with pure statistics, you probably wouldn't have debt. You'd probably have max funded all of your retirement accounts from day one. <laughs> you probably, right. you know. Let's, uh, well, and it depends on which statistics are important to you though, right? I mean, you know, we talked about this a little bit when they were on our Facebook page uh, talking uh, there a couple weeks ago, which is, you know, do you use capital needs? And I don't need to get in the weeds too much, but capital needs analysis, yeah. human life value, like there's different stats and they all matter, right. but it depends on what side of the what stats matters you to you. Right. Exactly. Let's uh, throw out the Haven Lifeline today to our new friend, Stephanie. Say hello, Stephanie. Hey, Joe and OG. I am almost 24, debt-free, and getting ready to buy my own home in Michigan. Sorry, Joe, but go blue. I have about $50,000 in the savings account and about 100000 invested in low-cost ETFs through Fidelity. 
So my question is, should I sell my ETFs to make a larger down payment on my home, therefore having less debt and potentially having greater leverage, or leave my investments to continue compounding and pay more each month for a longer period of time? And does having a large down payment affect which type of mortgage I should have, fixed or adjustable rate? Thanks for your help. Oh, Stephanie, we wanted to answer your question, but we've run out of time. Hail. She comes yes. She comes on the show. And she says, knows where the bread's buttered. Go blue. That's uh, fantastic. I had go another B word. A little but, little affinity to that. That's small university there in Ann Arbor. Yeah. Oh, my stomach hurts. But Stephanie, in fairness, and to show you how great Spartans are, we're gonna go ahead and answer your we're gonna go ahead and answer your question anyway. Sorry, so, I threw up a little in my mouth on that last <laughs> sentence, Joseph. They're fantastic. So what do you think? Sell her ETFs and put a larger down payment on the house and have less debt? Or should no. she hold on to them? No. This is purely an interest rate thing at this point. So part of my analysis here, complicated analysis, I might add, really boils down to everything you said about your person without saying about anything about your person, which is I'm 24, I'm debt free, and I've saved a boatload of money, right? So you're not impetuous with money, which means... If you leave it sit in your brokerage account, it's not like it's going to get spent tomorrow afternoon. And if that's the type of person that you were, then I would suggest put a larger down payment because this money, you know, would be better there. But it sounds like you've done a good job saving over your lifetime, refrained from consumerism, which is fantastic. And with interest rates being pretty much the lowest they've ever been, and you've already got this investment account, I would say keep the money in the investment account, get the mortgage that is right for your budget. So, you know, you hear people talk about a 15-year term or a 30-year term. I think Joe and I kind of pretty much agree on this 30-year, but pay the 15 if you want. You know, give yourself some flexibility. I don't think you want to go adjustable rate because interest rates are pretty low. And um, I'd take the fix. Again, it all kind of depends on your vision for how long the the home is going to be there for. But uh uh, Man, this is the first time I'm going to be a, a bigger stickler than you are. Yeah. Okay, go ahead. You're shaking your head. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, first of all, I think that this number one is a cash flow issue, right? Before it's an interest. I totally agree with you about interest rate yeah, issue, sure. but it's cash flow first. So if if the house that you want is a house that you're you know, going to get into trouble, cash, you, cash flow is king for me. So in that case, look at what the effect would be on your long-term goals of selling those ETFs to save cash flow. Generally, though, I think that OG's right. You don't. In fact, if it does impact cash flow, Stephanie, I would re-examine the house. Right? I'd say, is this the right house for you? But if this is the right house for you, and you definitely have to have that one, look at your plans and see what the what's going to happen long-term if I sell those ETFs off for the house. But leaving them there historically the way interest rates are now and you got to go with a fixed rate mortgage you 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 have to go don't go anywhere near an adjustable rate mortgage with interest rates where they are right now yeah. i mean historically they're so low when you i mean don't look at the last 5 years look at the last 40 years and you're going to go this is a no brainer never right now take out an adjustable rate loan i just i can't think of why I would take out an adjustable rate loan right now. So I'm going to be a hardliner there. And I also don't know why I'd take a 15 year versus a 30. I would take the 30 and I would do what OG said, which is pay it as a, if it's important to you, but I wouldn't put the money in that 15 year loan. I would put the money on that pile of that beautiful pile of ETF. She's built up. 
Yeah, exactly. Like yeah. keep feeding that. So pot. here's the difference. So you said it boils down to cash flow. So let's assume Stephanie is looking at a two hundred thousand dollar house. She's going to put twenty grand down or forty grand down, right? Those are the two numbers that she has in her, you know, in her mind. The difference there is ninety five bucks a month. But now we're yeah, well. It's going to be more than that because she's also looking at PMI at that point. But 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 no. Nah, let's no. no I, let's just assume that there's some ways to get around that. Yeah. Yeah. I see what you're saying though. And the math would work the same if you said, well, I was going to put 20% yeah, exactly. down or 30%, right? Yeah, it's I, going to be like I 90 bucks. Save the nine, save the 20 grand in your portfolio. I totally get your point. And, and let that kick off. I mean, shoot, that's paying, you know, $500 a year dividends if it's, you know, tolerably invested correctly. So I kind of like leaving the portfolio alone. Yeah. Great question, Stephanie. I'm glad that uh, this is the first time. I like, I like go blue in there too. That's uh, <sighs> it's horrible. Hail, Just yes. This show was going so well before Stephanie called. Those cool winged helmets. Ugh. All those draft picks in the NFL draft. Oh, fantastic people. In how, how many did the Spartans have? I can't remember. I didn't see them on the list. They had at least one. Hey, we also get letters down here in the basement. This letter uh, comes to us from our new friend, Lewis. Lewis says, hey, guys, I have a question I'm pretty sure hasn't been discussed or even written about all that much. Oh, I'm fighting words. Yes, probably because it's a relatively uncommon situation. I'm 31 and recently married. I'm an American, but I have residency in my wife's home country of Denmark. I have a rental property, some stock, a Roth IRA and savings, all of which is based in the U.S. And my income originates in the U.S., my wife's finances are tied up in her country. Soon I'll be able to open up a bank account in Denmark as well. My question is, as someone that spends a lot of time outside the U.S. and has access to another market, what else should I be doing to generate wealth? Do these circumstances change anything or provide me with additional opportunities? How about that one? Lewis, listening to us from Denmark. Well, I don't know what you mean by should I be doing additional things to generate wealth? I don't know. I don't know what you would be doing differently in other countries besides spending less than you make and investing the difference. And now you might be talking about, should I invest in a rental property in Denmark? I wouldn't have the foggiest idea whether or not that's a great idea or not, but there is something to be concerned with, I think, which is home bias. And so we talk about behavioral finance a little bit here. Most people invest in what they know. So Norway, for example, I just happened to have read the statistics. So I can't speak to Denmark, but I bet the stats are similar of people who invest in the equity markets, in the stock market in Norway, 60% of their portfolio is invested in Norway companies or Norwegian companies, right? Which you'd go, well, that makes sense. That's kind of where they, that's what they know. Right. But less than 1% of the world's gross domestic product is produced in Norway. So that's kind of out of whack, right? The US does this too. Most people invest in the S&P 500, which is largely US-based large companies, right? And that excludes them from investing in Norway on the other end of the spectrum, right? So I would say that more of a warning than what else should I look out for? Don't get tempted to say, well, this is a whole different thing. So I, I, I should be quote unquote diversified by owning, you know, apartment complex in Denmark. Maybe that's a good thing. I, I wouldn't know. But my guess is, is that if we looked at a well-diversified globally diversified portfolio, you'd want to have some money invested in Denmark. You'd want to have some money invested in the U.S. and every country in between and around. The one thing that I like for people like Lewis, when I was a financial planner, was they would talk about, you know, is there, should I invest my money in the U.S.? Should I invest it in Europe? Like, should I pick one of those? And my answer, OG, always was no. 
and I might keep some money in both countries because being from the U.S., living in Denmark and having that home bias, he understands exchange rates a little bit. And then the cool thing about having investments in both countries, he will know more than the average bear when he needs cash, which one to pull from first. That was the other thing I was going to add. I'm glad that you brought it up that there is an opportunity to arbitrage the currency a little bit, right? Uh, they, I presume they use the euro in Denmark to show my ignorance. but And I'm not saying at all, by the way, to go out, if you're somebody living in the U.S., to go buy stuff in Denmark. I mean, Lewis's situation is different. He's in Denmark. He sees yeah. what's going on there every yeah, he day. he eats, breathes, and sleeps there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So good stuff. Good stuff there. Thanks for the question. If you've got a question for the show, I'll encourage you use the Haven lifeline. That's stackybenjamins.com forward slash voicemail. And if you have a letter and you just need to get me a letter, remember we're still running a couple months behind, but send those to me, Joe at stackybenjamins.com. We're going to have a letters episode coming up where we take your questions and uh, answer as many of them as we possibly can so that we get uh, back on top of it again. And finally, OG is taking clients. And besides uh, that being a fantastic thing for you, it also means it also means potentially you might be able to work with uh, OG. Here's what you do to get on his calendar and talk about working with him. StackyBenjamins.com forward slash letter O, letter G, and you'll have direct access to OG's calendar. StackyBenjamins.com forward slash OG to find out more there. Man, great episode today. Talking, I love talking junior achievement. Volunteering with them was fantastic uh, from where I sat. Love talking about kids and money. Love talking about, you know, ignoring legislation. <laughs> love, love this idea that you can do impact investing and not blow everything up, which is the way I used to look at it. Glad Jessica just just set that. you straight finally. Yeah, that's that's good stuff. And of course, I love the fact that we even uh, got to argue a little bit. This getting a little scrappy here today. That's good. The blood flowing early. Yeah, that's good. We'll see everybody back here on Wednesday. Guess what's happening here? Wednesday is a fantastic show because that is our letters episode. So come back here on Wednesday, and we're going to answer as many of your letters as possible. Usually we get to about uh, six. So hopefully we'll at least get through the ones people sent us in March. All right, Doug, take us out of here. What should we have learned today? Ah, sorry. Yeah, okay. Sorry, Joe. Uh, yeah, so what did we learn today? Uh, first, impact investing or investing with a conscience? Maybe investing to reflect your values doesn't mean that you have to give up returns. Uh, second, uh, kids and money. Yeah, uh, start creating lesson plans today for your kids. Sorry, uh, for your kids with help from groups like Junior Achievement. With summer on the way, you'll have lots of fun with your kids understanding all this money stuff. But the big lesson: uh, don't try to drink Coca-Cola while doing the so what segment. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, don't try to do that. Pardon me. Special thanks to Jessica H. Wang. You can find more on BlackRock's iShares at iShares.com or in our show notes at stackingbenjamins.com. Thanks also to Jack Kosakowski from Junior Achievement. You'll find more about the Children's Financial Literacy Survey at jacksoncharitablefoundation.org or at ja.org. 
This show is the property of SB Podcasts, LLC. The show is created by Joe Salcihai, produced by Richie Rutter-Reese, and engineered by the amazing Steve Stewart. SB Podcasts may receive payment on the show from sponsors and guests in the form of books, giveaway items, discounts, or other remuneration. There's no way you would take advice from these dorks, but like Joe's mom always says, don't take advice from people you don't know. This show is for entertainment purposes only, and before making any financial moves, consult with a real financial advisor. One of you listeners needs to write in and let Joe and OG know why you really listen to the show. Me! It is that time for those of you new to the show. Do the jokes. Time for jokes. Here is here is the setup, just so you know what's going on. We uh, I used to listen to the show called Johnny in the Morning from uh, MVP Chicago Station a long time ago. The guy was amazing. I was driving actually from uh, mid Michigan into Detroit, but before the sun came up, I could hear him uh, do jokes. And one of the things that he did was he had this thing called Crack Me Up. Uh, where you, you tried to crack him up. So we're going to do a prize pack for the person that cracks the other person up. We've both put our jokes in strategic order so that... Uh, Ooh, mine are not in strategic order. Oh, mine definitely are. Okay. All right. Well, you're going to need to do that. All right. So uh, so, uh, so what are we going to do? Every other or am I just blowing through mine? Let's blow through as many years as possible, see if you can crack me up, and then we'll see if I can uh, get you an okay. under under that right. number. The the problem there is is that you've got a you've got something to shoot for, and I don't. You know what I mean? I just gotta keep it. Whatever, that's fine. Oh, you know we should flip a coin. Here we go. I'll flip the coin. <laughs> okay. Yeah, <laughs> I'm keeping it on my side of the table, but yeah, uh, but here we go. Heads or tails? Heads, 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 heads. In coin flipping, it is world. Heads. Okay. I know you let it hit the ground. Whatever. Well, no, I was going to say, when you do that, you kind of change the outcome of the coin. Oh, down. I'll go with the other outcome. I'm cool. No. I'm going first anyway. I'm the one that brought this whole thing up. So let's do it. Ready? Uh, Ready? Hold on. Hold on. Wait. So we're looking for any audible signal that Joe thinks that these jokes are funny. So I'll be the judge, jury, and executioner on this. There's no limit to the number of people that can win. I'm starting to laugh. You're over. already laughing, and I haven't even said anything yet. <laughs> I think everybody's a winner today, folks. <laughs> people on my, people on my team are so screwed. Look at how red my face is. Oh, my God. All right. All right. together. All right, let's do it. Daryl writes, why did the monkey fall out of the tree? He was dead. Philip says, how can you tell the difference between when a lawyer gets run over and when a skunk gets run over? There are skid marks by the skunk. <laughs> Brian writes, what do you call a row of bunnies hopping backwards? A receding hairline. He also adds, I hope hopefully that doesn't hit Joe too close to home. Easy with that. Marty says, what did one snowman say to the other snowman? That's funny. I smell carrots too. Come on. I, I thought that one for sure was. I know y'all can't see this, but he he is he is holding it in very well. That that one 
That one had them. I thought so. Wife uh, Matt says a wife needs her husband to go to the store for her and ask him, honey, when you go to the store, grab a gallon of milk. And if they have eggs, grab six. Later on, her husband returns home. She looks at the purchases and says, why do you have six gallons of milk? And he says, because they had eggs. Nelson says a man walks into a psychiatrist's office wearing only saran wrap underwear. And the psychiatrist says, I can clearly see your nuts. There it is. Nelson's the winner. <laughs> hold on. Hold, hold on. Oh, my. Uh, the carrot one just about sunk I know. me. I know. Uh, how many did that take, by the way? I don't know. Well, I got a couple more here. All right. Garth says, <clears throat> what did the cute baby lamb say to the shepherd? Nice to bleat you. <laughs> Come on, dude. David says, why did the mushroom go to the party? Because he was a fun guy. All right, Janelle, I couldn't figure out why the baseball kept getting bigger and bigger. Then it hit me. There it is. All right, Janelle and Nelson. I can't believe I should have laughed at the last one. You didn't know it was the last one, though. So. Oh, that was that was horrible. I thought I, I, I honorable mention goes oh. to Marty for the snowman. Oh my god, the uh, snowman one's so good. And Garth, you almost got him on the nice to bleat you. Was, I uh, 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 so I mixed these up too. So there's somebody sent me two jokes. I had a few people send me two. It was funny because I think I actually have more jokes than you had now. All right, ready? <clears throat> hold on, hold on. Yeah, stretch it out. Okay. All right, got your game face on? Bring the noise. I love this look when you and I would do jokes in the past and you just decide you're not going to laugh. You got like that look, like that. I'm going into my, my, safe, place. my safe room, right? OG safe word is keep going. That's, <laughs> that's not, see, I got you with mine. I get a free t-shirt. All right, here we go. John writes, exaggerating's on the rise from last year and expected to double. By the way, little Miss OG going crazy out there. I, I think people can probably hear this. Uh, Mom's got her hands full right now. Mm, yeah, totally. Yes. Steve writes, what did the excited gardener do when spring came around, OG? He wet his plant. Kent says, what do penguins like to eat? Burritos. <laughs> I'm sorry. I love that joke. That is like the, that is just Joe humor right there. Philip says, I have an EpiPen. My friend gave it to me as he was dying. Seemed very important to him that I have. <laughs> <laughs> Philip's a winner. Uh, Seemed very important to him. That's good. David says, my grandfather was a great man. He had the heart of a lion and consequently a lifetime ban from the Oregon Zoo. Pace writes, kid goes up to his dad and asks, hey, dad, how are people born? Dad says, well, Adam and Eve, you know, they made babies and their babies grew up and they made more babies and so on. So the kid goes to his mom and asks her the same question. She says, oh, we were monkeys. Then we evolved and became like we are now. Kid runs back to his dad and says, you lied to me. Dad says, no, she was talking about her side of the family. That's one of my favorites, too. These are all good, but... Joe yeah. says, what do light beer and having sex in a canoe have in common? Both are f close to water. Philip writes, 
I met my girlfriend in an African language class. We just clicked. <laughs> nice. That's but, terrible. By the way, Philip's two for two. I split them up, and Philip has them. Oh, both. he's got both of them, huh? Yeah. Right. Yeah. David says a young thug was in prison for being stupid. In the prison yard, he notices some older guys, real OGs, have been there a long time laughing. Goes up to them to listen, and one says, 13. And they all go, <laughs> Another guy goes, 47. <laughs> they all laugh even louder. So the young thug blurts out, 26. OGs look at him and say, Dude, you don't know how to tell a joke. Joe writes, what's the best way to drink a pumpkin-flavored beer? Dump it out. I totally agree. By the way, I totally yes. agree. That yes. was pretty good. Uh, uh, Michael says, two men are walking down the street. They see this dog licking himself. One guy says, I wish I could do that. And the other man says, you should probably just pet him first. <laughs> Michael's going home with one. Uh, Garth asks, how do you surprise a lady that's one of a kind? Unique up on her. Ryan says, hey, OG, you know how to bake toilet paper? Me neither, but I know how to brown it on one side. That was pretty good. That is one I'm going to use for my kids tonight. Alan says, three guys decide to go fishing early in the spring in Wisconsin as they're sitting in their boat in the middle of the lake. Doug reaches over the rail to grab a beer and falls in the water. His two friends jump into the icy water after him, and after a few minutes of searching underway, they get him back in the boat. Now, he wasn't breathing, so they begin doing CPR. The guy at his head named Joe says, that's odd. I don't remember Doug having bad breath. Other guy doing compression says, yeah, and I, I don't remember Doug wearing a snowmobile suit. That joke is also disgusting. A car writes... Regular babies are delivered by storks, so heavy babies are delivered by cranes. Michael says, this blind guy walks into a bar and a table and a chair. <laughs> I almost got you there. Drew says, how many South Americans does it take to change a light bulb? A Brazilian. That's it. Nice job. So on our end, those are all funny. Oh my goodness, Philip, and uh, Philip and Michael taking home the goods here. Care Bear is less than impressed with the uh, jokes, huh? Holy cow, is it bad? Uh, but but it, on that note, I think you got to go. Thank you, everybody, for sending us jokes. That was so absolutely fun. That was that was great. All right, buddy. We'll see you. All right, see ya. Well, stackers, the show might be over, but the celebrations are just beginning. Because it is Military Appreciation Month that I want to celebrate people like my brother-in-law, Eric, who is such a giving person. Eric will do just anything for you. And as a Marine, you can see that his time in the military taught him to be a guy who gives to his community, gives to his family, and is always there when you need them. This Military Appreciation Month, Navy Federal Credit Union wants to celebrate members like Eric who go above and beyond. Navy Federal offers member-only exclusive rates, discounts, and tools to empower their members and help them reach their goals. Navy Federal's employees are part of the community they serve. Many of them are military family members, reservists, or veterans, and all branches of the military, veterans, DOD employees, and their families are eligible for Navy Federal membership. In fact, there are so many resources on the 
Navy Federal website, resources like Best Cities After Service to help veterans transition to civilian life and Best Careers for Military Spouses to support military families. Visit NavyFederal.org celebrate and you'll see all of their Military Appreciation Month offers and other Navy Federal offers. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, Equal Housing Lender.